Hey, Matt, what's your favorite horror movie franchise? Mm, gotta be the Halloween movies. Hey, Tara, who is your favorite horror film villain? Ooh, the Cenobites from Hellraiser. What's the worst horror sequel? Mm, not just the worst horror sequel, the worst sequel in film history, Exorcist 2. Now, other side of that, what's the best horror sequel? Okay, ironically, that is Exorcist 3. What's your favorite horror movie podcast? Without a doubt, The Scary Movie Project. You would say that. Subscribe to The Scary Movie Project wherever you listen to podcasts. And follow us on Facebook and Instagram at The Scary Movie Project. On this episode of Common Mystics, we return to the extraordinary story of the Swope family tragedy for the exciting conclusion of Dr. Greed's treacherous deeds. I'm Jennifer James. I'm Jill Stanley. We're psychics. We're sisters. We are common mystics. We find extraordinary stories in ordinary places. And today we return to Independence, Missouri. Jennifer. Jill. Please talk to the audience about... Your health scare. Oh, gosh. Well, uh, so glad everybody knows. (laughs) I was worried. Mm, Yeah, you were. (laughs) That's an understatement. Okay, so I was experiencing some troubling symptoms that could be attributed either to a migraine or something like a stroke. So I spent uh, a few days in the hospital uh, with them doing several tests, trying to figure out um, what was going on. But she's fine. I'm okay. I'm okay. I've got some follow-ups, but I'm okay. Um, So it was a scare, but luckily it's not anything serious. But I did want to share one kind of funny anecdote that happened during one of my hospital visits. Tell me. I was talking to the doctor. And he was saying, well, it could be a migraine. And I said, well, I don't get migraines. I've never gotten a migraine. And he said, or it could be a TIA. And he said, have you heard of TIAs? And I said, yes, because Jill, you remember our grandma, Mm -hmm. our grandma Irina. For whom we have a bonus pod. Exactly. Used to have TIAs in her 80s. And what they are essentially are mini strokes, kind of. Okay. So Without um, without long-lasting effects. Right, right. They're kind of a predictor that maybe a stroke is coming. I know. That's a scary thing. Mm -hmm. But anyway, she was old at the time. But he said, have you heard of TIAs? And I said, yes. My grandma used to have them. And as soon as I said... My grandma used to have them. All of a sudden, this music starts playing in the room. And I pick up my phone that's on my lap because I'm taking notes with my phone as the doctor's talking to me. So I know it's not me. It's not my phone and it's not my ringtone. And I assume it's his. But he keeps talking and I'm like, all right, I guess we're just going to ignore the fact that this guy's getting a call. And then he stops talking to me and says, is that me? And I say, well, it's not me. And so he takes his phone, which was out of his front pocket. So he's, and he's standing up. It's not like he's sitting down. He's standing up and his phone is playing music out of his front pocket. He takes it out and he's all puzzled and bewildered. And he goes, I didn't even touch it. And I go, I know you didn't. And then I said, is that, is that a ringtone? Is someone calling you? And he goes, no, it's just playing music. Oh, my gosh. Now, I, everybody asks me, what music was it playing? I don't know what the song was. I don't recognize the song. But that was Grandma. Mm. That was Grandma saying, I'm here. She's so cute. She's cute. And the funny thing about signs, and we say this all the time, is that they're not always helpful. 
<laughs> because in that moment, I was thinking, great, Grandma, I'm glad you're here, but are you here because I'm going to be fine and I'm getting better? <laughs> or are you here because, like, this is the end and you're here to, like, take me with you, you know? So I wasn't exactly happy at that moment. I was but like, yeah, great. Thanks. It wasn't, it wasn't playing Amazing Grace, right? <laughs> That would have been like full on. That would have been hysterical. No. Yeah, I know. I might have died of shock right there. Like, take me, Lord. No. So anyway, I just thought I'd share that because that is. She's cute. She's a strong little spirit. She could be a little more specific. I know. About what she's trying to convey. But the point was she was there and that was, you know, comforting. It was comforting. So Mm -hmm. anyway, I'm fine. Let's get back to the swoops. Okay. So. I just want to remind everyone, I am still all up in my feelings when it comes to this family. Mm. So I, I'm i going to try not to swear like a trucker, but you don't know. And I apologize for any truckers out there who don't swear. <laughs> Talk about the book, too, because a lot I, of what we discuss came from this book. I love that book. It is called Deaths on Pleasant Street by Giles Fowler. And it's a really easy read. And he's from the area. So he really weeds out a lot of the reports in the newspaper back from fiction. Because, again, this was, like, sensationalized. And there was a lot of hyperbole being printed in the press. So he really reads it out. So it's a really good source to have on this family if you want to get into the meat of the swoops. Cool, cool. All right. So let's remind our listeners that this is a part two. And I would recommend if you have not listened to part one for a while or haven't at all, then you need to go back and listen to part one because this is a continuation of that story. And it's not going to make any sense. It is not. So let's recap quickly because it's been a couple weeks. You want me to recap? Yes. Oh, okay. (laughs) I was looking at you. Okay. So we, our story is from Independence, Missouri. In 1901, there was a wealthy, prominent family called the Swope family. And they have been under siege by mysterious illnesses. Was it 1901 or 1909? It was 1909. Yeah, I'm sorry. That's my bad. That's on me. Speaking of which, I do have another apology. Okay. Part one of the Swope family drama. Dr. Greed's Treacherous Deeds, I edited. And it was very long. It was very, very long. And so I wanted to edit out a lot of the gaps. So I went through and I took out like two minutes of Jennifer's breaths. Mm-hmm. And the end result was very intense when she was going through the timeline of when um, poor Colonel Tom passed away. So that was on me. That's my bad. I'm sorry. So I am not a user of speed, <laughs> even though it sounds like I might be. Especially because we took a week off because your medical emergency. <laughs> People were probably like, holy shit. <laughs> what happened? All right. Yeah, sorry. All right, so let's get back into That's it. That's on me. Okay, so Independence, Missouri, 1909. The Swope family is a wealthy family, and they are suddenly beset with these mysterious illnesses that ultimately take the lives of three, three family members, and others remain ill, right? That's right. Now, it's suspected that Dr. Hyde, who married into the family, is in some way responsible for the illnesses that are plaguing the family. And we left off in part one with Dr. Twyman, the family's physician, 
calling Dr. Hyde to his office to confront him about the accusations made against him, namely by the nurses right? who are sounding the alarm on what they're seeing. The mer- nurses gathered together and said, we will not treat this family anymore. We will walk out right now if this man remains on staff to treat the family because right. he's no good. Right. So Dr. Hyde, let's, let's recall that he is married to Francis Swope which is the oldest daughter of the matriarch, Maggie Swope. Now, Dr. Hyde is a medical doctor. He is a trained medical doctor who has an interest in bacteria, so much so that he has a bacteria lab in his office. Which is really unusual, by the way. Well, this, this was cutting-edge science at the time, and we talked a little bit about this in part one bacteriology and the study of bacteria and vaccinations exactly this is all cutting edge so he he was working on cutting edge stuff right now the the swoops were never fond of him Mm -mm. and they did not accept him at first they thought he had ulterior motives for wanting to marry into the family however you'll recall that francis's younger brother tom jr had the whoopsie doozy with the arm. <laughs> he lost an arm, yes. <laughs> whoopsie. <laughs> exactly, in a mining accident. And because Dr. Hyde treated him so well medically, that warmed him to the family. Right. Okay. But Maggie still was suspicious. Right. The matriarch never truly accepted him, but he was at least welcome in their home. And he cozied up to Colonel Tom quite a bit. Yes. Talk about that. Oh, uh, okay. Yeah, I, I like guess it when you do it. Okay, I guess I will talk about that. So, Colonel Tom, who was Maggie, the matriarch Maggie's brother-in-law, old man who is living in the I mansion. I love him. Again, former alcoholic, crotchety. He was eccentric. He would hang out in his suite. He barely left his suite anymore, and you would just hear him yelling like profanities. He's just a man after my own heart. And he was very, very wealthy and rich. He was like a millionaire and his plan was to give his money directly to the women and children and the poor of Kansas City Missouri society right do you need a minute with Colonel Tom's memory for a minute god (laughs) dim the lights (laughs) Dr. Hyde took the opportunity to befriend himself with this elder gentleman who is not only a millionaire but also is is was widely known to be leaving all of his millions his fortune to the swope children so apparently it was supposed to be evenly distributed amongst the swopes but at this current time he is problem solving how to change his will and have that money go directly to the poor of Kansas City and that's when he dies and before that's when he dies before that change is made okay all right so that was happening the situation is after the deaths of cousin Moss and Colonel Tom earlier in the year by December of 1909 members of the Swope family are becoming stricken with typhoid, while Maggie is away in Chicago. Now, what's notable about typhoid, and we discussed this before, is that it is primarily a disease of the impoverished people. Right. You don't usually see typhoid breakouts in mansions. Right, because of the sanitation conditions are so much better. Exactly. So, very unusual. Mm -hmm. Now, after observing the unusual behaviors that Dr. Hyde had been exhibiting during this time Mm -hmm. of the illnesses and the deaths of Moss and Colonel Tom, the nurse treating the family again banded together and delivered that ultimatum to the Swope family physician Dr. Twyman and again Jill they banded together and said we refuse to work anymore in this house 
if Dr. Hyde continues to treat the family. That's right. So with Maggie's blessing, Twyman kicks Hyde out of the house. He was like, nope, dude, you can't go back there. It's over for you. And then Maggie enlists her personal attorney, John Paxton, to work with Dr. Twyman to investigate the allegations that the nurses were coming coming up with, saying, like, there's something weird here. You have to look at the deaths, not only of Moss, which was, again, out of the ordinary for the way Hyde overbled him, to Colonel Tom passing away the way he did, but then also remember Crispin's horrible, agonizing death with those grand mall seizures that would last 20 minutes. So Maggie was like, okay, guys, let's come up with some evidence. Okay. So Dr. Twyman, the family physician, is investigating the situation with Maggie's blessing, and she's funding it. Mm -hmm. Independent of that, we have a Dr. Stewart. Dr. Stewart is a bacteriologist who gave... Dr. Hyde, a number of different bacteria samples. Absolutely. Now, Dr. Stewart reads in the local paper the unlikely spread of typhoid through the Swope Mansion, and he is suspicious because he knows that he himself gave Dr. Hyde a bunch of typhoid. Right. To study. And again, unusual for a mansion. Right. And if you recall, he had broken into, well, he didn't break in. He, he talked his way in. He talked, there you go. He talked his way in, into his office and looked around. Why Dr. Hyde was away for a couple of weeks. We didn't ever mention where he went, but that's going to come up later. He uh, noticed at that moment that the typhoid samples had been disturbed mm-hmm. and that a lot was missing. Mm-hmm. A lot of the, the germs were missing. Okay, so we have some accusations against Dr. Hyde now at this point. So what are the, what are the people thinking? So we have the nurses, the people investigating. Yeah, so we have Stuart by himself doing his investigation, the nurses red flag to Twyman and he's doing his investigation. What are they investigating? What are they saying happened? Right. They are saying that Moss, sweet cousin Moss, I love him, was overly bled by Dr. Hyde when he became sick in the Purposefully. mansion. Purposefully. Purposefully. They are saying that Colonel Tom's convulsions and death were brought on by a suspicious capsule Mm -hmm. that Dr. Hyde had given to him just before he passed away. They're also saying that Chrisman's death is also due to Dr. Hyde's interference with his care. Because in Dr. Twyman's care, Chrisman rallied and was getting better. But then after Hyde leaves Chrisman's room... He begins to just deteriorate quickly and ends up dying. And finally, they suspect that Dr. Hyde intentionally poisoned the entire Swope family living in that mansion with typhoid. Okay, so he's definitely a sick SOB, but why would he do it? Remind me of why they think he's doing this. The suspected motive is as follows. His wife, Frances Hyde, will be a benefactor in Colonel Tom's estate, right? The Colonel Tom who has just passed away. Mm-hmm. And it's to be shared equally between Frances and all of her siblings. Well, Dr. Hyde would stand to get much, much more money if there were less siblings alive to claim. Oh, my God. Their share of Colonel Tom's fortune. Mm. So purely monetary in nature. So after Hyde was confronted by Twineman with the theories and the accusation and the apparent motive, Hyde was irate. He was 
he was like irate with like righteous indignation. He was mm. like, well, I would never. How dare you? Exactly. Maggie, again, the, he, she was like, you're never coming back so here. He was effectively banned from the mansion. Yes. Good. Finally. Oh, my gosh. Yes. And then Twineman and the family attorney Paxton started to investigate with Tom Jr. And they were collecting evidence of um, whatever evidence was left behind by Hyde before he was banished. So let's talk about what that investigation by Twyman and Paxton looked like. So Tom Jr. and the attorney Paxton, they elicit the help of a famous American pathologist Wow! for this case. They went full on at 11. Right. So they go to the University of Chicago and elicit this Dr. Ludwig Hectoen. And he was a professor at the University of Chicago and a famed pathologist. Well, Paxton retained his help to examine the circumstances of the Swope family typhoid infections for possible cause. Not only that. So he's saying, hey, doctor, I need you to come to Missouri with me. Look at the conditions of the mansion and tell me, is it possible that typhoid could have been introduced naturally into this environment? But also, while you're there, can you please autopsies the bodies of Tom and Chrisman? Because we have a feeling something shady AF had had gone down. So this is a famous pathologist Mm -hmm. at the university so who is covering the cost of this maggie okay so she's paying out of her own pocket to get the travel to get the best of the best exactly okay gotcha the travel the upkeep uh, all of it is all right i see what kind of person she is she's she's going straight to the top Mm -hmm. get me the best she doesn't mess around jen she doesn't mess around okay she's all in so december 30th 1909 chrisman's autopsy is performed jill what did Dr. Hectoen find. He concluded that the lungs, heart, liver, and kidneys, and a brain and Chrisman's brain appeared normal. There were traces of typhoid in the intestines. However, there was such a small amount of typhoid that it wouldn't have killed him. So there's no evidence of meningitis. Which he claimed killed, which Hyde, Hyde claimed killed Chrisman. Okay. So no evidence of that at all. The brain is completely normal. And the amount of typhoid that's in his system is like benign. Like there's not a lot. To- so what killed him? Well, they have to do further investigating. Will we find and- out? Jennifer, patience. <laughs> patience, my dear. They bag up his organs because they need to further investigate. Like, because obviously it's not typhoid. Meningitis is like, what? Where did that come from? So they have to further investigate the okay. organs. All right. So we'll come back to that. Yeah, so they bag I up the organs. I know. I know. Okay. They bag up the organs and they take the organs away. Okay. So this is this specialist pathologist that's working with Maggie's crew and Dr. Twyman. Correct. But we also have Dr. Stewart, the bacteriologist who was once a friend of Dr. Hyde's and is now suspecting him and doing his own little investigation on the side, right? He is hysterical. Tell me about him. Okay. So he, of course, is suspicious because he's the one who talked himself into the office, saw all the typhoid gone. He knows how typhoid behaves and where it originates and is very unconvinced that it's just in the environment at the Swope Mansion, right? He's feeling guilty again because he's the one who gave hide and wep the typhoid germ that's ultimately been weaponized against the Swope family. Right. 
So he goes to the mansion and he studies the grounds. Can I just tell you, he goes to the mansion and he knocks on the door and Maggie's like, um, no reporters, not into this. You need to leave. And he's like, no, 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 ma'am. No, no, no. He's like, um, this is who I am. I just, I, I don't think that what happened to you guys is appropriate. And I want to just, cause I'm a doctor. I want to look around to see if there's any way this happened naturally. And she was like, ugh, fine. And he, like, closes the door on him. Oh, I love that. I know. She was really angry at first. So what did he find? He found that there was no way in nature that typhoid could have been introduced naturally to the grounds or the family. So Based on the soil and the water samples and, and the, the general chain, conditions. The general condition, the chain of custody of the food, mm. the way the servants were um, handling. Yes, the way the servants normally handled the food, how things were sanitized and kept away from one another, the processes and the chain of custody of the way the food was kept was would not have resulted in any sort of contamination exactly the water wasn't contaminated everything was perfect he said as a matter of fact that it looked like it walked in like someone walked no, the bacteria in mm-hmm. oh. okay so we see you hide we see you now Stuart is really suspicious mm-hmm so now Dr. Stewart starts visiting Hyde, um, pretending to be a concerned friend of his. And colleague. And colleague. And he's like his bestie. Right. He's but like, I we- heard what happened. This is so unfair. Dude, Maggie, am I right? Am I right? <laughs> and he's like, I know. And he's like, I'm sick too. What? Yeah. So Dr. Hyde's like, oh, 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 oh really? I, I too have typhoid. Oh, really? Yes. Oh, okay. So so Hyde has quote unquote typhoid. Yes. And so does, so does Francis. And so his friend Stuart is like, dude, let oh. me help you, bro. He's like, you know, I'm, I can do this. Let me test your, so we can use your lab results to prove that you're also a victim of whatever conditions happened at the mansion that caused the whole family to have typhoid. But it's all a ruse. But it's all a ruse. Because really, he just wants to gather more evidence. Exactly. So he keeps, he keeps taking blood like every day from Dr. Hyde. And he's like, I got you, bro. I'm going to go test this. Oh, there's no typhoid here. Well, there's a little. Very, he very finds a little, little bit. But nothing. And so in his mind, Dr. Stewart's like, he's just giving himself a very little bit of typhoid to make the results look as if he was right. like he was sick. But he's not. He's totally fine. And in reality, the amount of typhoid in his system is nothing compared to the large quantities that the Swope families had ingested. Exactly. But again, day after day, he goes back and he's like, don't worry. We're going to get to the okay. bottom of this. Okay. All right. This is an interesting play happening mm-hmm. between the two it's of them. It's a dance, right? It, it is a They're dance. They're both play acting. Exactly. Hyde's pretending to be sick and innocent, and Dr. Stewart's like, hey, Pretending man. to be a, a helpful friend. Yes. Yeah, I love that. So Stewart has a fully formed theory of what is going on as far as Hyde's behavior. So he rings Dr. Twyman because Dr. Twyman is... The family, the family doctor. doctor. And again, these are these are notable people at the time. So he knows who's who in in the town. So he calls Dr. Time and he's like, hi, my name is Dr. Stewart. I'm a bacteriologist. I'm a colleague of Dr. Hyde's. And I think I may know what's happening with the, Sw- the Swope family. So he goes and, and Dr. Twyman and his son, Elmer, who's also a physician, meets Dr. Stewart in his office. And so Dr. Stewart lays out like, this is what I did. This is this is my findings as far as the vial. This is his behavior. This is what he did to himself to make it look like he was innocent. And Dr. Twyman, without giving too much away, was like, okay, that's really interesting. Is it possible for you to come to my office later tonight? Because I have some information that I would want to share with you. 
And when that meeting happens in Dr. Twyman's office. So Stuart later that night goes to Dr. Twyman's office. He opens the door and it's Dr. Twyman, Elmer, and the lawyer, John Paxton. Okay. And so Dr. Twyman says, okay, so I think that everything that you put together and you theorized is completely credible. Not only that, but we too have been investigating the deaths of Colonel Tom and Chrisman, and it seems unlikely that the diagnosis or the manner of death in which that was reported by Hyde is consistent with actually how they died. But further, we also know why Hyde is doing this. And so at this moment, this is the first time Stuart was like, what is happening? Like, there's actually a reason for it. And Paxton and Twyman break down the structure of Colonel Tom's estate. And so in that moment, like the lights turn on and Stuart realizes I'm not crazy. This is really happening. I was right because it does seem far fetched. Like who would actually be trying to do this and killing this family? And in that moment, it all came together for Stuart. Well, and it all came together because before we had these two separate factions working independently, and now they have come together. Mm-hmm. And now everybody feels validated. Exactly. So, Jen, oh my how does Stuart react? Stuart loses his freaking mind. <laughs> he's full in he, now. He is full in, and he just he's, loses all reason. He's like, that son of a bitch. <laughs> and he is just infuriated. What does he do? Tell me everything. So Dr. Stewart basically tries to entrap Dr. Hyde. Oh, I love this story. Jill, you have to explain this. Oh, my God. Okay, so again, Stewart is feeling empowered and validated, and he's like, that son of a bitch. He's all fired up. Oh, my gosh. So he becomes like... Completely irrational. (laughs) He becomes like old-timey, like private eye, right? So he's like, this is what I'm going to do. I'm going to go to my office, and I'm going to take dummy blood that looks like it's Dr. Hyde's. I'm actually going to label it Dr. Hyde's blood, but it's not going to be Dr. Hyde's blood. And then I'm going to make it look as if I had put it through the process of finding typhoid in it by the laboratory. So he puts blood smears on it and then he coats it with oil so that if anyone approaches and touches the vial, their fingerprints would be marked on the glass. Surely. Then he puts the blood in the incubator with another vial of blood that says basically typhoid licious on it. So get out of here I swear he's like this one is like serious typhoid this one's Dr. Hyde's they're both in the incubator and both of them have this oil on it then he closes the incubator door and puts like um, testing slides that you would put underneath a microscope he like booby traps the door so that if anyone opens the door the slides would crash to the floor then he makes a hole, a tiny hole in no. the wall so no, that he, he can look into the laboratory from his office. Okay. So he's full on. And he spends the night in the wall looking through the hole. He's full on there. <laughs> but first, before that happens, he goes to Hyde's house like his loyal friend. And he's like, well, I'm sorry to tell you, old chap, your blood's still coming back inconclusive or not a lot of typhoid in it. So I don't know what to tell you, but I'm not giving up on you yet. And by the way... <laughs> I had gotten this like typhoid sample of blood that is like off the hook. Like there is typhoid lala in this blood and you've got to see it when you're feeling better. And you know what? Doctors, because of the amount of typhoid around, oh my gosh, have just bringing me samples and samples of this kind of like crazy typhoid blood. 
You should see it. I'm keeping my office unlocked so doctors can just bring me samples all day and day. And so, you know, it makes me feel uneasy because anyone can just go into my office at any time. And furthermore, I've got these hot tickets tonight (laughs) to this great theater event and no one's going to be there. My golly gee. Golly, well, you have a good hot night, sir, and like walks out. So what Hyde could have done if he had fallen into the trap is gone into the office and put more typhoid in his blood. Or switch the vials. Or switch the vials. Mm -hmm. Okay. Did he fall for it? He didn't. But Hyde was like, uh, that's awful. Like this like whole thing is very strange right now. And he's like suspicious now. Like his ears perked up and he's like, Stuart's acting awful weird. So he doesn't take the bait. But what does happen is now he knows like Stuart's looking into him. Stuart's on to him. And he no longer trusts Stuart. Right. Right. So Stuart blows his cover and Hyde knows that at least two different parties are on to him and actively investigating him. That's absolutely So now right. he needs to be a lot more careful and he knows it. So what's going on when Stuart's losing his mind and trying to trap Hyde is that Dr. Twyman and Paxson are still doing their own investigation. So what's right. that look like? What are they doing? Well, remember, they hired that famous pathologist out of the University of Chicago. I think it's Hectoen. He was going to autopsy Colonel Tom's body. Okay, because he already did Christmas. Right. He did not observe any indication. There was no evidence of any sort of ruptured blood vessels on the brain. So, therefore, a cerebral hemorrhage was not the cause of Colonel Tom's death. Now, Hectoen took Colonel Tom's organs back to the upper Midwest for further examination with the help of another nationally known doctor, a chemist called uh, Dr. Vaughn. It's just so expensive. When you said that, I just heard cha-ching, cha-ching. Right, because, of course, Maggie is funding this. Mm -hmm. So now we have this this nationally renowned pathologist, and now we have a nationally renowned chemist who are looking into – and, by the way, the chemist is looking into a a suspicious white powder found in Colonel Tom's stomach. Oh, no. Okay, so why is this this autopsy result significant? Is because, if you remember, Dr. Hyde ruled Colonel Tom's death due to apoplexy, which is hemorrhaging of the brain. Right. And this – nationally renowned pathologist is saying that is not true. That is not how he died. Furthermore, there is suspicious white powder that we're going to look into by this nationally renowned chemist. So they took Chrisman's organs to the mid upper Midwest as well. What did they find? The same they- suspicious white powder. Shut up. Right. The same suspicious white fa- powder was also found in Chrisman's stomach. I smell a rat. Mm, no kidding. So news of Colonel Tom's autopsy is hitting the papers. Because remember, this is like the OJ trial mm-hmm. of the day. This is the Kardashians. This yes. is like... This is all over. Like, extra, extra, read all about it. Mm-hmm. Like the little kid in the news cap oh, on the corner. So that's what's happening right mm-hmm. now. Okay. So it's hitting the papers. And the Swope family, they don't give anything to the reports. They are above this sort of. Mm-hmm. There are no commenting. Exactly. No comment. There are no comments from them. However, when reporters call on Hyde, he has some stuff to say. What does Hyde say? He is defensive. Mm. And he stands by his original medical diagnoses. He says there is no doubt that Colonel Tom died of apoplexy, a plainer case I've never seen. Colonel Tom was getting old and feeble. The stroke of apoplexy was probably induced by the excitement and shock of the sudden death of Moss Hunton, a cousin and dear friend of the colonel's. Now, when he was asked about Chrisman, 
Hyde reported that Chrisman Swope's death was due to typhoid fever. And he said, I attended Mr. Swope and signed the death certificate myself. So he's not... He's not apologizing. Mm-mm. He is very firm in what I said before. It's still what I'm saying. He said, I said what I said. That's right. Mm-hmm. That's I said right. what I said, and I don't believe these natural, nationally renowned scientists. Exactly. Let's take us to Monday, January 31st, 1910. About 18 days after Colonel Tom's autopsy results were published, Paxton, the attorney of the Swope family responds directly to a reporter's inquest. Well, okay, wait. So Paxton is getting off the train from Chicago. He's tired. He's been through, like, the investigation with these renowned scientists, and he just has no more fucks to give. He is just exhausted. And so a reporter's like, hey, guy, you got anything for me? We need to print something in the paper, something new. And you've got to imagine that reporters are constantly in his face. Yes. He's tired. Okay. And so they ask him to give him a statement, right, Mm -hmm. about the status of the investigation. Right. Okay. And again, no more fucks to give. He's just like, ugh. So he says, and I quote, on account of the widespread interest in the investigation into the death of Colonel Thomas H. Swope, that's Uncle Tom. Hmm. I love Uncle Tom. I feel it proper for me to make the fact that Dr. Hectoen and others as the result of their investigations extending over the period of several weeks, give me their opinion that Mr. Swope did die from poison. (gasps) It was said that traces of strychnine were found in the liver. Okay, so he makes that statement, Paxton. Mm -hmm. Saying he was poisoned. Colonel Tom poisoned. Colonel Tom poisoned. And Hyde is like, I will sue you. And so he gets a lawyer. Sue and you for what? That's the thing. His lawyer's like, what are you doing? He's like, I am suing them for liable. This is affecting my career, them saying that Colonel Swope has been poisoned. Everyone thinks it's me. Okay, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. Libel is when you say um, untruths about somebody, but they never mentioned. No. Paxton didn't mention Hyde's name. Not at all. And so Hyde's lawyer's like, hey, bro, what are you doing? You're calling attention to yourself, bro. You just injected yourself into a murder investigation. How about turning it down a notch? And so Hyde's got it, like, got it. yeah, he's Oops. like, oh, sorry, oh, you're right. Down, put that like, hand down. Oh, unsend, unsend. <laughs> Recall that. And so he's like, oh, all right, you're right. So he withdraws the case against libel again, or the case of libel against Paxton. Right. But but one, he looks suspicious as. Oh F. my God! Yeah. What happens is, word is on the street, a grand jury is being convened to look into the Swope family deaths. Okay, so wait a minute. I am not, like, up to speed on my legalese here. Okay. I'm a Judge Judy lawyer. I'm so glad. Are you so glad I asked? (laughs) I'm so glad I have this opportunity because 25 years a Judge Judy has prepared me for this, for this very moment. Okay. (laughs) Let me explain it to you. So a grand jury convening means that the DA and only the DA, the district attorney, the district attorney in front of a judge and a jury of the peers of society come together and the DA in secret behind closed doors tells the grand jury in front of the judge what evidence they have to put 
charges out against a person. Now, this is in secret. This is in secret. So the press doesn't know about the it. The press doesn't know about it. And the defense doesn't know about the it. The defense doesn't know. There isn't even a defense. Okay. There isn't even. So there, this is the step before a trial. This is a step before the person's arrested. Oh. It's not even a, for a trial. Oh, this do is, we have enough evidence yes, to even do arrest? Do we have enough evidence to arrest okay. this person and bring it to trial? Oh, Judge Judy is a great I teacher. I know. She's amazing. So behind closed doors, the, the district attorney is like, okay, this is what we have on him. Can we bring this to trial under the like certain charges? And if what, what would those charges be? So that's what's happening, all in secret. Okay. But because this is such a fancy smancy family and everyone's all up in the biz, it's out that like, oh my gosh, they're convening a grand jury. Because everybody's talking about it. And it's hard to keep this it. one a secret. Mm-hmm. Okay, so then to recap, there is a grand jury call to review the evidence collected by Stuart and Twyman and their people and all their experts, to determine if there is enough evidence to arrest, indict, to have a trial, right? exactly. All right, so what does that have to do with Hyde and this whole libel situation? Because once Hyde's attorney finds out that a grand jury is convening, Mm -hmm. he wants to know what they're talking about. Well, he can't. Exactly, but if he brings up the liable case again, not only are, is he going to have access to whatever evidence is being presented in front of the grand jury via people that would be testifying that he can de- depose. Okay. So he's going to bring suit. Yes. For liable. Yes. Not because he thinks there's an actual liable no. case, but just so that he can then uh, create depositions from certain individuals who he suspects are talking to the grand jury. Exactly. Not only that. Not only that. What he also wants to do is because the grand jury convening is in secret. It's cloistered. You can't get information from it. It's not in the public view. No press. A deposition in a liable case is open to the press and an audience. So he's getting the information and his side of the story out before a grand jury is even bringing charges or indicting. Wow. Do you know what I'm talking about? Does that make sense? I think so. He's getting ahead of the story. Right. And he can say whatever he wants and it's going to be printed. Exactly. And so he is in a position to sway public opinion before the fact. He is writing his own narrative before the the grand jury even indicts him. Oh. So do they depose different individuals? They depose Paxson. Mm-hmm. They depose Stewart. Mm-hmm. Maggie. Mm-hmm. And some of the other Swope children and, do and they the get, nurses and the nurses. And do they get information? They try really hard. But it doesn't matter it because doesn't. the press is writing about everything that the defense is saying. Right. So defense, or the defense. It, it, we're calling it the defense, but it's not a defense yet. So what they're saying is, how can you believe that this innocent man would be guilty of anything? And what evidence do you have? Like, that's the conversation. Right. And so they're printing like innocent. Right, right, right. Hi. Right, right. Da, 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 da. Wow. Wow, what shady MS. I know. And there's actually a great quote by Paxton when um, Reed is the attorney for Hyde, questions Paxton about what evidence he has to make that statement in the papers. Paxton says what? What does he say? Um, Paxton said that he is involved with an investigation into one of the greatest crimes in our country's history, and he refused to answer any question which tends to give evidence to the defense team. So he, like, calls him out on it. Yeah, he's like, you're doing this so that I can tell you what you want to know mm-hmm. and I'm not doing it. Yeah. I'm not going to jeopardize yeah. that case. Mm-hmm. Wow. Okay. 
Okay. So interesting. So there is basically a media circus and the media is printing basically whatever the narrative hides lawyers are saying, mm-hmm. whether or not it's true. Right. They're printing it. Okay. What about Frances during this time? Because she's a swope. So, and I imagine that she would be torn, right? There's her family on one side of the case and then there's her husband on the other. You know, her behavior suggests that she's not torn at all. She's full on team hide. You're kidding. Not only that, but she helps in cementing the public's opinion about Hyde before any indictments are announced. She gives this salacious interview with like a notable woman columnist. What? Yes. Yes, girl. She'd be spilling some tea. What'd she say? Oh. So a popular woman reporter, Winifred Black, has the exclusive of Mrs. Hyde's story under the headline, Mrs. Hyde breaks silence and discusses public puzzling swope case the article teases one of francis's quotes as being if dr hyde's a monster how can mother leave me with him which is messed up because so many times she tried she tried maggie tried to get francis away from francis wouldn't see him francis wouldn't see her she would knock on the door and this is so messed up the servant would be like francis doesn't want to see you to maggie and maggie's like i'm her mother get me my daughter she tried to rescue or to take Francis out of that situation, Francis would not go. She wouldn't okay. even talk to her mom. This whole media circus and this uh, representation of Hyde just really makes me angry right now. Okay, do you need a moment? I'm, yeah, I'm really getting triggered and I'm so mad at Francis. I know. She's a sister. Sisters ruin everything. Sisters ruin, ruin everything. everything. Mm-hmm. What happened with the grand jury? So while this this circus is going on and they're suing this ridiculous libel case to which there is no meat, what's going on with the grand jury? The grand jury announces 11 counts. 11 counts. Okay. And they include two counts of first-degree murder. For Colonel Swope and Crispin. Crispin. One count of manslaughter. For poor Moss, sweet Moss. Three, three counts of poisoning? For three? Maggie Jr. He tries to poison her like three different ways. Oh, my God. All right. We'll get into that later. And then typhoid poisoning. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven more counts of typhoid for poisoning for different Swope family members. That's right. Remember, the interesting thing about... Um, and wait, I said Swope family members. It wasn't just the family. It was also the people working with the family. Yes. Like also the, the seamstress. The sir, oh, a Negro servant. Yes. So not only that, but other people in the house. The interesting thing that I alluded to earlier about Hyde leaving Mm. town is that Lucy Lee, remember, was in Paris studying when Crispin died. Mm -hmm. And so Hyde was, uh, by circumstances, was the guy to pick her up at the port in New York. That's why Hyde was out of town and how Stewart got access to his office or his lab. Oh, okay. And while, while Lucy Lee was on the train with Hyde returning to Missouri, he was giving her water and food like bringing her food to her and seven days after that trip she got typhoid and she wasn't even staying in the swope mansion maggie wouldn't let her stay there so his whole theory and his whole defense as it would come to be known he brought the typhoid to lucy lee he gave lucy lee the typhoid so that indictment is telling because it's specifically for lucy lee's wow and she wasn't even at the mansion I am so happy that there are so many indictments against this man. 
I wouldn't, you know. Like, well, they, that means there's a lot of evidence. True. And that the grand jury, I know I'm getting all hyped up myself, mm-hmm. but that the grand jury believes that there is sufficient evidence to move forward to arrest and like get this guy behind bars. I don't want to disappoint you. The thing is, is mean? that just because the grand jury, again, Judge Judy legalese, just because the grand jury indicts on 11 different accounts, the thing is, is that the DA looks at what he has to work with and chooses okay. one. Okay. And so he only says, let's go with Colonel Tom. Okay. So they put all their eggs in the Colonel Tom basket. Exactly. Because So they ignore the other indictments. Because there's so many of them. They don't yeah. have resources to flesh out and to prove all of that. So that would be a lot of work. A whole lot of work. So they look at the evidence they have. What's the strongest case? We want to get him. Mm-hmm. Our best luck is with Colonel Tom. Yes. And that situation. And everybody else, we're not going to pursue legal. That's right. Gotcha. So the trial begins in Kansas City on April 16th, 1910, under the Honorable Ralph Latshaw. Now, Frances apparently would not even look at her mother or brother and sisters. Every day she goes to the courtroom to support her husband Uh, on her husband's side of the courtroom. Are you kidding? Won't even make eye contact. Now, if I were Maggie, which I feel like I'm channeling, I would be full on looking at my daughter, like not even looking at like the jury or whatever. I would be full on looking at my daughter. That's your sister. And she is not only supporting, but funding funding this defense why do you I, think she's funding the defense oh my god i'm sweating right now she is i am <laughs> she's really i am irate. full on triggered sisters <laughs> ruined, ruined everything, everything. <laughs> oh my god i'm seriously sweating wow <sighs> okay she's funding this defense because he doesn't have a pot to piss in without her oh my god Oh, my God. And this is, by the way, Colonel Tom's money. Yes. Well, is, and and Maggie's, which is, true. yes, it's swope money. Okay. This is swope money. Okay. <laughs> oh, so Hyde, of course, pleads not guilty. I just want to take notice of that evil laugh. That was Jennifer's I'm not happy laugh. I'm evil laugh. And it's scary. <laughs> I'm so triggered. So Hyde, of course, pleads not guilty. Yeah, of course. He admits no wrongdoing. And let's let's remember, too, that Maggie has been spending all of her fortune on these specialists, the pathologists, the chemists, these specialists to investigate and get all of this evidence. And now, not only is the case being prosecuted by the district attorney, but also she hires four additional special prosecutors. Oh, my God. She really wants to get him. Oh, for Go sure. Go Maggie. But there is a serious blow to the prosecution's case. And what, what, was, you... what was that? Oh, Jennifer. I know it's so sad. Um, Dr. George Twyman. The family physician who, who we've been with since the beginning of part one. Yes. He sadly passes away of natural causes. He was not a victim of foul play. And he had such um, access, like firsthand access to the weird behaviors that Dr. Hyde was was doing while right. the family was sick. And he's a man, a professional man. So although like the nurses can testify, which they do, his statements would have carried more, more weight. weight. All right. They did have other people to nurse, call to the stand. Nurse Keller. Nurse Keller. Another nurse. I can't pronounce her name. Houlihan. Now, tell me about Nurse Houlihan because she testifies to Chrisman's treatment. And we talk about Chrisman and how horrific- Ugh. He was treated. But we haven't talked about Maggie Jr. Now, Chrisman underwent all of those seizures, right? And faded away after Dr. Hyde had secretly gone in to, quote unquote, treat him. Right. So he just had um, 
a horrific downfall and eventual death. And let's also remind our listeners that when Chrisman was being quote unquote treated by Dr. Hyde, he used dirty water in his in his like IV, right? Unnecessary. Right. Okay. Especially because there was there's sanitized water across the room on the dresser. Right. Okay, so Maggie Jr., we didn't talk at all about her. What was his treatment of her like? So in the indictments, there are three counts Counts. of poisoning for Maggie. Explain that. That seems overkill. Well, so we didn't mention this before because, again, a lot of moving parts, a lot of things are going on. So many details to this one. (laughs) But It's going to be a long one. (laughs) Settle in, listeners. I'm going to be editing out all of your breaths. (laughs) This is going to go really fast. Um, so Maggie Jr., she's sick too. She was one of the first ones. Remember, she was going to go on that shopping trip with Francis. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. And then Francis was like, oh, dear, you sound sick. You should call Dr. Troyman. Well, Maggie had gotten sick, a mild case of typhoid, and she was being treated by Hyde. Of course. He kept giving her injections, but when he injected her, her arm swelled and was pussy oh my god for weeks it was almost like um cellulitis sounding it was just inflamed and she was like what are you doing what are you giving me and Hyde himself seemed frustrated like what is going on here as it turns out one of the times that dr stewart had access to the vials mm-hmm. uh in dr Hyde's office, office mm-hmm. one a very deadly type of germ diphtheria diphtheria was also disturbed okay but when dr when dr stewart took the vial of the poison which was labeled diphtheria yep and he did a test on it he found out that it was just a benign pus germ so it's speculated that that time when maggie wasn't dying but was just sick dr hyde was trying to poison her but it was only giving her the pus germ because the vial was mislabeled because the vial was mislabeled and he tried believable many times to kill poor little Maggie Jr. Poor Maggie. Holy crap. What about Stella? What was the testimony about Stella? So Stella had a friend over at the house. And Stella, who was about 14 at the time, was playing with her friend, who was also poisoned with typhoid. Get out of here. And her little sister, Sarah. And Dr. Hyde walks up to her with a, with a box of candy and gives her candy, which she shares with Sarah and her friend. And all three of them had gotten typhoid and sick from that box he of candy. He poisoned the candy. The most evil trope. like Candy to a child. Yeah. Yes. Unbelievable. Mm-hmm. Okay. But a lesser known character... Was a pharmacist. Yes. And he testifies. Tell me what he says. Well, he owned a pharmacy that Dr. Hyde would frequent. Mm. And Dr. Hyde was purchasing a whole lot of cyanide and potassium. Uh And the quantity of the cyanide and potassium tablets or capsules that he was buying raised an alarm, not only for this pharmacist, but also the other druggist who worked in, in the store. And they were like, holy cow, Dr. Hyde, what are you doing with all of this cyanide? and potassium because they know as druggists that this is not a cure for anything yeah exactly this is straight up poison so why do you need why would a doctor right why do you need 24 capsules on on this day in september and 24 new capsules on this day and then just like the day after right like what are you doing with all this poison and what does hyde say to the pharmacist 
apparently he was like, oh, don't worry about it. I'm just killing dogs. Did they kill just random dogs in 1910 or 1909? Why is that okay? Why would that be okay to say? I have... Is that like a viable excuse? I don't know. But and why would you want to kill dogs? Why I don't know. I don't understand. That it. doesn't make any sense. But that was his Maybe answer. Maybe if they were like wild dogs, like wild poor dogs. dogs? They I don't, don't live know. in Africa. <laughs> well, I don't. I don't understand. I mean, I I have a baby. He's my son. His name is Bug the Beagle, and I would never hurt him. I. I don't, it, all right. I'm. I don't even want to say this, but I'm going to say it. If you wanted to poison a dog, you don't give him a pill. Everybody That's knows that. Such a good point. You put something. You know what I'm saying? You give them cheese. Like, they don't. You give them cheese. <laughs> or you put you put something li- like antifreeze. I know they didn't Aww, have probably have. An- you know what baby. I'm saying? I don't want to think. I don't want to theorize hurting babies. I'm editing this out. <laughs> leave it in, but <laughs> leave it in. But I want to. I want to bring up the timeline of when he was buying oh, these things in September. Yes. So this is before. So he's buying large quantities of poison in capsules in September, two weeks before things go down at the mansion. Is that right? Yes. Yeah, so two weeks before. Before, so before Moss even has his medical episode where he charges before in Before Chrisman gets sick. Before Colonel Tom. This is way oh. before Chrisman. Before Colonel Tom gets he's sick. He's already he's, amassing yes, this poison. Because what do we know at the time? During August of that year. August of that year. That Colonel Tom, Tom wants to change his will. That's exactly right. So in September, somebody's buying a lot of poison. Wow. And, and this then, was all... Told on the stand. Yes. This oh my is god! All I am testimony. so excited. He's finally going to get his. I cannot stand this son of a bitch. Oh, I don't want to disappoint you. So what happened? The jury deliberated for three days and guilty. Woohoo! Guilty. Found guilty as charged and sentenced to life of imprisonment. Uh huh. And so that's how it ends. Uh uh-uh. uh. What do you mean? Uh uh-uh. uh. <laughs> so um so Francis Swope, you remember Francis. The bitch-ass sister? Yeah. 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 She immediately funds a lawyer to appeal. Appeal. Well, those are common. Well, yeah. It's just that the thing is, is that Frances is really rich and her name is Swope. So her appeals and her cries that this is like ridiculous and unjust and that they're important people actually get attention and he was granted another trial okay what happened what happened at the second trial (sighs) what happened at the second trial jill i don't know why i'm angry at you (laughs) but i'm getting angry i don't want to talk about it (laughs) seriously what happened at the second trial okay so the second trial they get everyone together and they're like doing the trial thing and then all of a sudden a jury member was like oh have to go and like raises his hands like think of like outside like the flappy outside balloon, balloon guy that they put outside of like a, a car, car dealerships <laughs> yes that's what happens to one of the jurors and he runs out and they're like okay uh, um so a juror loses his flip in mind during the jury and just runs out <laughs> yes and so what happened and so they're like okay uh mistrial go, trial off mixed trial like so they can't continue really yeah so that was trial number that two that seems a little fishy i know it does seem like he was paid off yeah it does how embarrassing though like Seriously. if you were the one i know that would be it, so freaking embarrassing so embarrassed. um and then all right wait so now what so now they're like mistrial okay so we're gonna do it again so a third trial. A third trial. Now, this is like, again, years later. This We're like a year three, third trial. Okay, so now what? And again, Francis is a swope, and she's throwing all kinds of money at this. And so- Saying that my family was wrong. Yeah, Essentially, yeah. saying my family was wrong. I am my Francis husband swope, didn't. Right. And 
they went to trial again and it resulted in a miss or a hung jury. They could not come to any conclusion. So what happens when there's a hung jury, Judge Judy Lawyer Jill? Well, they have to retry again, but that's at the discretion of the DA. And so it's up to the other people to say whether or not they want to spend community resources on trying Dr. Hyde again. All right. So cut to the chase. What happens to Hyde? So So ultimately, she was successful in saying, like, this is a witch hunt. My husband's innocent. Didn't we spend too much time and resources on this already? This would be the fourth trial. So the jury failed to convict Hyde in the third trial. And according to the Kansas City History website, It says, the evidence against Hyde seemed conclusive on the surface, but ultimately the courts ruled that it was merely circumstantial evidence that did not prove his guilt. Oh, my. I know. I'm so sorry. So he's free. Yeah. And in 1917, all charges are dismissed. This is obviously a miscarriage of justice. I'll say. Okay, so what happens to Francis? So Francis. So Francis and Maggie don't speak again until 1920. And at that time, the only reason why she begins talking to her mom again is because she filed to divorce. Now she files for divorce. Mm -hmm. Citing. How freaking convenient. Cruel. What is it? Cruel treatment? What do you call it? Repeated and constant acts of cruelty and violence. Mm, That'd do it. I'd file divorce for that. Yeah, so she files her divorce, and she starts talking to her mom again. Okay. Which, again, Maggie, because Maggie's a, a woman of integrity, and she really loves her children, she started talking to Francis again. Like, all's, all's good. I would be so mad at mom. No kidding. I'd be like, um, do you not know like what she put this family through? So mad at mom? Yeah, if mom started talking to Francis again after everything, I'd be <sighs> like, mom, are you kidding me? We're fine. So we if don't you were like Lucy to- Lee yes, or okay, Maggie got Jr. It, got it, got it, got it. Okay. I would more likely be Maggie Jr. because they described her as fleshy, and that's totally me. (laughs) I'm a little more fleshy. We're both a little fleshy. (laughs) Okay, so after the divorce was filed, Hyde struggled socially and financially. Aw, did he? But he was able to find work, first as a trucker and a mechanic, but then eventually he returned to Lexington, Missouri, which was the, the his birth home, and he borrowed money for his sister, and he was able to take classwork and become an ENT, mm. ear, nose, throat doctor. Mm. And <laughs> Lexington, Missouri, his hometown, welcomed him back, and he lived out the rest of his life managing a small practice where he continued to practice medicine until 1934 when he passed away quietly in his sleep from a brain hemorrhage. Yeah, so so this pisses me off. I'm not going to lie to you. He, when he was living in Lexington, a reporter did track him down and like interviewed him. And he still was like, I'm so innocent. He's like, I don't know what's up with that Swope family. They had their problems and then they're trying to blame it on me. I'm so innocent. I am so angry with him. Right, I'm so angry right now. Do you want to talk about why you're no, angry? No, I am just. She's rubbing her eyes. She took off her glasses. She's not okay. We'll give it a second. <sighs> Okay, the Swope family, did their fortune ever recover? Never, but let's go down the line because they did, I mean, they still had money, but I think the worst 
the, the worst hit was poor Tom Jr. What I mean, happened to him? He okay. First of all, the incident with his arm. So he's he has one. <laughs> I mean, I know. I keep he, forgetting I that that should be a big deal. Yeah, that's a huge thing. He's already got one arm. I mean, the poor guy got the worst of this family. I'm telling you. Anyway, well, the others died, so I guess not. Yeah. So he has one arm. He um he inherits property that the family owned well he lost his property and inheritance during the great depression exactly he did marry a maude mosley i like the name maude he did marry maude mosley and they moved to la and they had five children but before he did that he was making a living working at like the superintendent of the swope family park where so that's a little bit of a step down a hundred percent but he passes away at age 68 in la correct what about Sarah? The youngest of the Swope children, Sarah. Little Sarah, her health was permanently weakened by her bout with typhoid. Aww. Mm-hmm. She ended up dying when she was 20. Aww. I know. That's terribly sad. Okay, what about Lisa, Lucy Lee? So Lucy Lee was the one who was studying in Paris. Right. She was very worldly. She was like the Kim Kardashian of the bunch, right? <laughs> okay. She, during the second trial met a traveling salesman and married him okay you want to follow up on that um well they would divorce in 1922 and she cited cruelty because he criticized her cooking Mm. (laughs) that would do it Uh that would do it Mm -hmm. i stand by that and apparently she remarried a Mr. William Featherstone. They rented a small home again in L.A. until sometime after 1940. And Lucy passed away in 1956 at the ripe old age of 69. I Googled their home where they lived because of the ancestry records. In Phoenix, Arizona? No, in L.A. And it's small. It's, yeah, it was really depressing. So she had, mm-hmm. had no fortune. Her and Tom was done dirty wow they'd be done dirty okay so uh maggie jr maggie jr married a man named thomas miller she too um settled in los angeles she passed away without leaving any children she was only 68 when she died well i mean that was a good age at the time it's true Stella, Stella Swope. She was a world traveler. Aw. We found records of her sailing to France and then to Hawaii, and she eventually settled in New York City on Park Avenue. That sounds like she still had a fortune yeah. left. Uh, she, had a, she was a little bougie. She, had a, she was a little bougie. Do we know what happened to her ultimately? Do we have a, her death certificate? No, I couldn't find anything on her. Mm, but I do have a picture of her from her passport, which is adorable, oh, that I will upload. Yeah, just oh, because she's adorable. Love that. Okay, so let's talk about Maggie Swope, the matriarch. Mm. You tell me about Maggie. Well, Maggie Swope had depleted her fortune Mm. in all of the specialists and investigators and prosecutors that she hired to try to get Dr. Hyde. Justice for her family. Mm -hmm. And she spent less and less time in the family mansion. She traveled a little bit with her daughter, Stella, and she enjoys spending time with her grandchildren in Los Angeles, Mm -hmm. where many of her children had settled. In 1923, she sold the Swope Mansion Mm. in Independence, Missouri, to the Church of Latter-day Saints. Now, eventually, the mansion would become a sanitarium for the elderly. And ironically, that is where Maggie would later move in and spend her later years. Oh, Maggie. Living in her former home that was now a sanitarium. And she died there at the age of 87. Oh, God bless her. 
She had a long, hard life for someone so rich. A lot of pain. Oh, I'm so angry by this story, Jill. I know. Sisters are in everything. Sisters are in everything. But the thing is, Jen, honestly. We were meant to tell it. Even though I hate, I hate it. I hate the injustice of it. We were meant to tell it. I think, well, he died at a young age. Who he? He hide. He He hide. (laughs) Yeah, he hide. He, he did. He hide. He hide died at the. <laughs> he hide died at a very young age, considerably. A uh, true, true. But he never got what he wanted. What he was after, there was no. Justice he never thing. got what he deserved. It, right. I do want to mention this that I didn't mention before. Reading the book, Deaths on Pleasant Street. Mm-hmm. When they are at trial, the first trial, and they're recounting the things that he did, he was like getting off on it. Like he was enjoying people talking about the things that he did to, to to hurt and to kill people. That is so gross. And it reminds me of watching those documentaries on Ted Bundy mm-hmm. and how he would get off on the descriptions of everything he did. Mm-hmm. Just I can even see the look on his face in my mind and it just cringes me. Yes. Also, do you remember in part one when we were talking about the amount of typhoid outbreaks in Kansas City, Missouri versus Kansas City, Kansas. Mm-hmm. Do you remember at the time there was 25 outbreaks every three weeks in Kansas City, Kansas? But in low, low, low number. Yeah. Kansas City, Missouri, where the hides were, there were 600 and some odd cases every three weeks. Wow. That's a huge discrepancy. I think that he was using that typhoid germ. Remember that Dr. Stewart said that he took so much out, it would like, he could like infect the whole city. Mm -hmm. I think that's what he did. I think he was practicing with the doses of typhoid germ and, and infecting poor, poor communities with it to see how it was behaving in the public. He is a true sociopath and a true serial killer. For real. No, for real. I want to investigate Lexington, Missouri, where Mm. he would live until the end of his life to see if anything suspicious happening there. There's no way someone like him would stop experimenting at very least. Right. So we need to look into that. Maybe there's another, another episode coming from this story who knows we'll look into it maybe there'll be a bonus episode because we're trying to figure out what to do on our um, castos private page where people could subscribe and we have bonus content uh-huh. maybe that will be a part of our bonus content on the castos page. oh maybe we can uh, think mm-hmm. about that mm-hmm. i do think we were meant to tell this story we were in fulton missouri the very first place we went was westminster college Mm-hmm. And the very, very first place we stopped and pulled over was at the site where the chapel was erected by Maggie Swope in memoriam of Chrisman. That's the very first place we stopped mm-hmm. in town. I know. I got out of the car mm-hmm. and it didn't look like anything to me. That's what you said. I know. I got back in and I said, there used to be a chapel here, but there's nothing. Let's look around. But. But it didn't stop there. Chrisman. He was calling us. He was. He was like, hello. Because was, we, we were walking around the campus, and what were you feeling? I was feeling that um, that crime, the alleged theft. Mm-hmm. You were feeling. Oh, my God. Heavy breathing and specifically bleeding out. I kept mm. hearing, I'm bleeding out. I'm bleeding out. Like moss. Like moss. Mm. And the dirty water. Oh. Christmas was like, this guy gave me dirty water. There was sanitized water right there, and he injected me with some bath water nasty nasty now i don't understand this so well okay tell me 
I was seeing an old-fashioned cook making bread. So Hyde's defense in trial was that it was the servants who were just nasty and unsanitary that had gotten the typhoid in the food and in the water that was giving to the swerve. So ah. the swope. So when you were seeing the kneading of the bread, he was saying that that's how he said that happened. That's not. It was hap- the cooking staff. Mm-hmm. It didn't happen <gasps> oh. that way. Wow. I'm good. I know. I'm <laughs> impressed. Jill, you saw, you got the feeling of an anxious group of women. Yes. Who do you think that was? The nurses. They were like, what is he doing? This is not practice. This is not common practice. That makes total sense. Mm Mm-hmm. So what are our conclusions? You go first. Well, he's guilty AF. There's, he totally did this. He got off with it in real life, but he is (laughs) He got off on it. (laughs) <laughs> reliving it at trial so gross it's true though and then it, it's possible that he had other crimes in the community as far as using that typhoid germ to see how it was behaving like for real i oh. really think that that happened yeah but because it happened to poor people yeah no one was looking at it or taking it seriously no one investigated why typhoid was breaking out in such numbers in that community all right, Jill, we already mentioned that there was a whole book written about this. I love the book. And it was such a popular story. Like we said, it was in all the papers at the time in the early 1900s. So why why do you think we're called to talk about it? Because the, whenever you look up the story, it's only about Colonel Tom. That was the only indictment that yeah, they, they pursued. pursued. <laughs> That's right. That's right, Jen. I agree with you. Okay, so all of the other victims of his crimes are not widely known. Overlooked. You can even Google this and only Colonel Tom will come up. Yes. But Chrisman and Moss, sweet Moss. Even, who is it, Sarah, who died years later? Yes, manslaughter. Oh my gosh. I would say manslaughter. The thing is, again, this- They're not known. They're not known. And this family is such a good group of people. They're just a good, I mean, not Francis, but they are- (laughs) No, no, I agree. Yeah, but they're- They're just a really good group of people. Right, right, right. So the moral of the story is sisters ruin everything. everything. And you know what else pops into my head about the moral of the story? The um, Pendulum Swinger song by... um, Indigo Girls? Yes. What does Emily say? You should listen listen to to your your mama if you had a lick of sense left. Francis, that's for you, girl. You should listen to your mama. You should have listened. That's a PSA, everybody. Mm, oh, hold on. Oh, there's I, more? Did, did I tell you We're that like I, at an hour and uh, I know, that's 15 minutes I'm going to have to edit out your breath. But what I'm saying is, did we talk about Francis being abused? Yeah. We did? Yeah. Uh, an abused wife? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. You Still not con- you're not convinced? <laughs> Still not giving her? No. She gets soon? no grace for me. No. Okay. Maybe a little, but no. Okay. I want to kick her ass. Like, how I can mean, I even? Yeah. If she is abused, though, I can see. I'm just saying. Like, I can see. I would. I do not condone it. She had choices, especially because she has so many resources, like you said. But, mm-hmm. like, I can see it would be more difficult. It would be, yes. It, it would be harder, be, yeah. but you're still a fucking bitch. Yeah. Oh, okay. Sorry. Um, All right. Tell the people where they can find us. <laughs> On that note. <laughs> Please check out our website, commonmystic.net. Find us on Facebook and Insta. You can listen to us on Audible, Amazon, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Tuned In, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, where you can leave us a positive review so other people can find us. Thank you guys so much. Yay, Jennifer's back. Thank you for listening. Bye. Bye. Good night.